Hey, housewives, we are so excited. Oh my goodness, this is a dream come true. Y'all have heard us talk about our sauna sessions from the beginning, and we have Sun Lighten as a sponsor of Unlikely Housewives. Why wouldn't we have a sauna session that brings all of the good juices flowing right out of our bodies when we're detoxing? Ex- Bring it right to the Unlikely Housewives. Exactly. But first of all, some of those benefits. The intention of getting in the sauna for us was not to create a podcast. No. no I have another we just job. wanted to sweat. We detox. Wa- detox. We wanted to boost our immunity. We wanted the reducing of inflammation and some the weight puff. loss. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's anti-aging. I mean, there's so many benefits to infrared sauna sessions. And so that was our initial purpose. Yeah. And just to vent, it was that season of life that we just needed to sit and talk and talk about what was going on. And that's where it all happened was in the sauna. Did you realize that there are studies that show Heat therapy produces endorphins, those feel-good emotions. So we were boosting our mood and ideas. So far, we boosted so far that a podcast idea came just flowing out. You guys, this is an incredible opportunity for you. You can have up to $600 off using our link, which is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. That's get dot sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. We'll put that link in the show notes for you too. But $600 off a Sunlighten purchase. The one that I have got is the Impulse 3-in-1 Believe. And it's amazing, y'all. It has been the best health investment for our family. I'll say my friends because I invite them yeah. over. That's how I use the saunas in your. I, I know. Sweat. If I come you, over and sweat. But it's so good and such a benefit. And, and you so, said family investment. The kids can get in it too. Exactly. The second I hear that there is a stomach bug going around class, get in the sunlight and girls. Like you're going to do this in 20 minutes. Let's make sure your immune system is up to par to not bring that home for anybody. It is a family investment and you will not regret it. Again, that link for us is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. All the link will be in the show notes. Hey, housewives. Come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tori. I'm Tracy. And And we we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you from believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time today. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, house. 
housewives. We are so glad you have joined us again this week. We're so thankful and we have got another outstanding guest for you that you guys are just going to absolutely love. But before we get into that, we want to read our weekly review. Yes. Welcome back housewives. And we are going to share from Jody EG. She says, thankful for women who are willing to step out and share their stories. However, please understand these stories are coming from an authentic place. They could make you giggle, belly laugh, ponder, and even shed a tear. Worth a listen. Give them a whirl. Thank you so much, Jody. We are so grateful for those that leave reviews. Hop over to Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star. Leave us a review and let us know what you think. And you can be featured next week, potentially. Yes. Okay. So, you guys, this is a real treat for me because I have had the honor of knowing this woman for almost five years now, which is really hard to believe that it has been that long. Watching her, getting to know her personally, and then also just watching her journey via social media. Isn't that a blessing that we get to see our friends and get to know their inner lives of what they're willing to share on social media? And what I love about Andrea is how transparent she is and authentic on social media and then off of social media. But the reason that we wanted to bring her here and share her with you housewives is because Andrea is a homeschooling mama. She started homeschooling before homeschooling was cool. Okay. (laughs) I say that with the last couple of years in mind through the pandemic, a lot of parents were thrust into the homeschooling world because they decided that that's what was best for their kiddos in the midst of everything. Well, Andrea has got a story of how she has homeschooled seven boys. I say that seven boys, uh, mamas. <laughs> yes. And so she is absolutely a warrior mama, mama bear of all the things. And so we just wanted you to hear her story and her heart. So welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Thank you, Tori and Tracy. It's good to be here. It's my first podcast. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Well, we're we're happy that you you've joined us. And so I would love for you just to tell our audience a little bit about yourself so they can kind of get to know your your background and where you're coming from. Sure. Okay. So I am a 49-year-old married mama. Um, I, I've been married to my husband for 22 years and we started having children. We'd been married about three years and we started having children. We both were, you know, we called dinks back then. That's what we call them, dinks, double income, no kids. So. <laughs> Well, I remember that term. That's been a long time since I've heard it, but I remember that. Yeah, so that's what we were. And we enjoyed that little, I guess, that little spot in our life for a couple of years. Um, We bought some land and we're going to build. And we were not setting out to have seven children. I'll just go ahead and say that. (laughs) Um, You know, I was was working as a nurse at a big, very um, prestigious pediatric hospital here in the Dallas area. And my husband worked for a corporate insurance company that he was an actuary. So that's what we were doing. And while we were planning to build and all that, his mom came down with late stage cancer. And so we moved in with his parents and we lived with them until she passed away and they lived with his dad for the first year of him being widowed. So that's kind of the beginning of our family story. We got pregnant while we were living there. And then when we moved into our home that we had built on our acreage, we had our little first little boy about six months later. So that's when our family began. And I was working as a nurse. And when he was about, I guess, six weeks old, I went back to work part time. We had our second little boy less than, I guess, about 20 months later. 
And then I continue to work part-time like two days a week in the surgery department at our pediatric hospital. And then when we, I was pregnant with our third little boy about 18 months later, that's when I just, we decided, okay. (laughs) Because at that point, at that point I was working like what we call PRN at a hospital where you work as needed, but it was usually like one night a week. I was working nights. Nights are very hard because we had the two little boys and it was just, I know a lot of people do that, but for us, it was really hard. Um, but right about the time I had just kind of had an, had like, okay, this is enough because working nights with two small children, being pregnant for me was very difficult. I'm not a night person at all anyway. I can imagine too, like getting off of a night shift and then having to be on, right? Like yeah. the next day for these two, two little people, like that has got to be a hard transition. Very, very. So that was about that time we made the decision to just for me to just come home, period. And about that time, my husband got a little bit of a raise and we had learned to live, you know, pretty frugally. So we were ready. And so that's our beginning of me leaving the nursing field as far as like, you know, a paid position, if you will. (laughs) Um, I have continued my nursing license ever since then because I've done some volunteer work as a nurse sonographer at a pregnancy center and things like that. So I have still continued to continue using my nurse license in different ways. I just don't work at a hospital. I don't get paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, bless you for that. I mean, getting your license renewed on the regular, that's got to be kind of, that's a sacrifice, right? As to continue to have that. I have to do continuing education and we have to pay a fee every two years, but it's not too bad. It's not too bad. So. Okay. So I think you're pregnant with your third when you've decided to come home. So walk us through the last four kids. Okay. (laughs) Well, basically, I I don't want to give too many details, but feel free to ask me questions. 2004 was when I came home. That was about the time our oldest was four, or he was three and a half, four. And we had our next one in in 2005, really close together. So we had five. Well, we had four little boys, five and under. Let me just clarify. Four little boys, five and under. And that was about the time our oldest was ready to go to kindergarten. We were getting ready, right? Right. So the interesting thing was we weren't planning on homeschooling. It wasn't like we were like, we're going to homeschool, you know? Um, My husband comes from a full-blown public school education, went to Texas A&M. That's all he knew. I came from a Christian school background. So I was used to a little bit outside the box. You know, I never went to a, I never had a prom, (laughs) never had any of that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, we didn't have all the things. So I was used to not having all the things, but obviously I loved going to school and all that kind of stuff. But the interesting thing is, is we went on a little vacation. There's a reason I'm telling you this. We went on a little vacation to like South Carolina and we stayed with a family of six. Um, The dad was a public school teacher and the mom was a nurse and she stayed home with her six children and homeschooled. Oh, wow. We happened to stay with them for a vacation for a week. It was kind of a weird, uh, well, God orchestrated it, but um, it wasn't like we set out to do this to confirm homeschooling or anything like that. So is this a family that you've known for a while or was this just kind of a... Basically, you know, we had three young boys... Um, I was about to have our fourth. Okay. So this was while we were still kind of like, you know how you're like, our oldest was, I guess, four at the time. And so we were like, not ready to put him in school, but you know, you're starting to think about it. Right. We had traveled to go see some different family and friends and South Carolina was one of the areas we were going to. And this was my sister, my younger sister. She's like 10 years younger than me. 
her best friend <laughs> that we had grown to love and know her family because they were from Oklahoma, which is, you know, if you're familiar with Texas, Oklahoma and Texas, you know, like we've traveled back and forth there pretty often. It's not that far away from us, three hours away. And so they had moved to South Carolina and we had knew another family that lived in South Carolina that were friends of my husband's family from like years, like his whole childhood. Right. So basically we, for whatever reason, chose to go out there because we wanted to go on a road trip with our kids, but we wanted to go stay with people that we knew, not just stay in a hotel. You know, when you go on a trip, a vacation with three young children, it's not really a vacation. It's a trip. Right. It's a trip. Yes. We need vacations after family trip. <laughs> so we went to the Charlotte area is what I was trying to say. So I guess when we said we were going to come visit and see them, they said, well, come stay with us. That's the, how it happened. And being a family with six children, but they were ahead of us in life, they wanted to welcome us and be hospitable to us. And it was just a very sweet thing for them to offer to do. So we took them up on it. I have a quick question on that. So what were their ages? What were you witnessing with their six oh, kids yeah. in school? Like, I mean, again, average, but I'm just curious where what levels they were at. So they had six children. It was five girls and one boy, which is, and he was the baby of the family. So he was six and it went all the way up until like 18. Okay. Wow. This is like seeing your future. I mean, this is a glimpse into your future. That's how cool that is. Yeah. And, and I think it was pretty cool that she was a nurse and that he was a public school teacher. So like, you know, my husband coming from a public school background was able to see, wow, these people homeschool, they're both well-educated. The dad even teaches at a public school, yet he wants his children homeschooled. You know, like it really built his belief in even the idea of it. Because prior to that, if I had even mentioned homeschooling, because we had kind of been already talking about like, what are we going to do with Caleb? Caleb's our oldest. And when I mentioned homeschooling, my husband was like, no, we are not going to homeschool. Like anybody I've ever met that homeschool, they are so awkward and weird and all those good things, you know, but let me just be honest. He really didn't know that many people at homeschool. He just knew like literally like probably two or three. That's it though. I mean, I remember a kid on my street growing up that the homeschooling family, and I remember these kids very like not socialized well. I mean, they, their eight-year-old counted one-e, two-e, three-e, four-e, five-e, like But that's like when you when I think of homeschool, like I think of that family. But I mean, and I mean, like, what? What's the number? Like less than two percent of the the. Well, what was the number? Yeah, exactly. Is what you say? What was it before a pandemic? Yeah, but nobody would homeschool. I mean, it was very rare to see a homeschool family. It was still not the norm at that time. Yet there were more people homeschool. I mean, it wasn't like it was back in the eighties where it was like underground and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because I mean, the truth is, is once we got into homeschool, we met some of those families that were kind of like the pioneers. And it was super cool to hear their stories of how they started homeschooling and all that. But anyway, all that to say, we spent the week with them and we got to witness their day. And they basically homeschooled in the morning and then they had lunch and then they had the rest of the afternoon to like do chores, do their music, go to the library, go to the park. Like it was structured, but it wasn't like all day they were sitting at a desk, you know, and their children were, you know, they had like a routine and a flow to their day and like they helped do different things. And it was just very relaxing being around them. And my husband was like, 
okay, like if we get homeschool like this, like I don't have any problem with homeschooling. That's literally what he said on our, on our drive back home. It was literally like, if we could homeschool like that, and he understood that didn't mean identical to them, but if it can look like that, I'm like, let's homeschool. So, and what's funny is when Caleb turned five, because he turned five in the summer in July, I even came back to my husband and I was like, okay, like we could maybe dip our toe in homeschooling and just put him in like the uh, prep school. There was like a Christian prep school kind of by where we live where kids could go like two days a week. And it was a Christian based university model school. We knew other people that used it. And I was like, we could just put Caleb in that. He could go two days a week. And then the other days I could homeschool him. And it was funny because he, my husband was like, no, if we're going to homeschool, let's just do it. Like, let's just do it. You know, I just want to jump all in. And I was like, okay. And so that's what we did. 2005 is when we officially started homeschooling. Now, obviously, I mean, Caleb was the guinea pig, if you, (laughs) yes. I mean, as you continue to add to your family, because I mean, when Caleb, when you started homeschooling Caleb, you had Caleb and then three others, right? Well, I thought, yeah, I started homeschooling him in obviously August or September of 2005. And then December of 2005, I had our fourth little boy, like a baby. So, okay. Yeah. Kind of like four under five altogether when we first started, essentially. Okay. So (laughs) after, so after Caleb's first year of homeschooling, was your second oldest going into, was he ready for kindergarten or was he two years behind? If he were in regular school, he would be two years behind because of where his birthday falls. But I will tell you, he was four, Wesley's our second born. He was four years old and I walked into his room one day. He had a book in his bed because they used to have rest time every day. Mama had to have rest time every day to survive. And so they would read books in their bed. And I walked into his room and he was reading a book and it was not a Bob sat on cat book. It was like a regular little book, you know? Yeah. Like with different sounds, grasp and things like that. And he was reading it. And I was like, how are you? And I even said, wait, how are you reading that? He goes, I just, I just, I'm reading it. Well, let me just tell you, let me kind of backtrack. One of the things that I learned having four small little boys while homeschooling is I got a hold of all the resources I could early on that taught me how to homeschool efficiently, but without a ton of extra fluff. Okay. Like I really learned like the tools, like most bang for my butt, get it done, teach them the basics, make sure. And one of the basics I learned early on is teach your kids how to read and they can teach themselves almost anything. And that is very true. One of the fun things we did was I would put in that leapfrog letter factory video. Oh, yes. I could sing all the songs with you. It always played in my minivan. (laughs) Total mom hack someone shared with me one time. Okay, I'll add that to our arsenal, right? So Wesley being younger, he just listened to it and he learned all the letter sounds, learned how to blend words. I mean, I hardly even had to instruct him. I'm not even kidding. So while, you know, officially he was, you know, four and he was reading. So once we really started school, I just took off where he was. Like, I just let him have books and let him, you know, I just, I made sure he understood the basics of phonics for sure and spelling and things like that. But he just really made homeschooling the second born pretty easy. He was pretty easy. Well, and I, I want to highlight something that I know a lot of like my friends who homeschool, 
what you just said is going at your child's pace. You saw what he was ready for, you know, and I think that's one of one of the gifts that homeschooling mamas get to do is see where your kids are, what they need at that time and meet them where they're at. And that's, I think, the hardest part watching my four kids go through school when there's a couple that are struggling with certain things like the pace that they either have to try to speed up and catch up or we're slowing down and we're trying to help causes them like angst and more anxiety that they're in this special class trying to do this, you know, so that is absolutely an internal struggle that I have watching my kids struggle in a classroom. Yeah, that's very true at home. When you're at home, you don't have to worry about any of that. Whichever direction it goes, you don't have to worry about it, which right. I think is very freeing for that child. If they're struggling or and it, I don't even want to say struggling, but just maybe slower then they don't know that they're slower. <laughs> they're not right. going to know unless, you know, you put them in a situation where it's pointed out to them. I also like the point that you brought up on how you, in the beginning, you were like, I'm going to do this without a lot of fluff. Like, it's not until, like, going through school, like, I guess later on in high school, you realize what's busy work for your teachers and what's not. And when you start to, when I start to look at some of my kids' stuff, you know, I'm going, that's just busy work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's when you're like, that's how they feel eight hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you don't have to do that at home. You can be like, and and honestly, one of the ways that I homeschooled Caleb in those early years, having a newborn, our little fourth little one is he was a little bit, Caleb was a little bit of an early bird, kind of like me. And so he would get up like at six and the little ones would pretty much still be asleep. I mean, maybe I'd let them get up and watch a cartoon or something, but they, you know, they'd be pretty much asleep. And I would just get up with Caleb at six and we would just get his school done early. I'd make him a little cup of hot chocolate, uh, make him some toast and we'd sit and get his schoolwork done while everybody was asleep. And then we'd be done you know, and then the rest of the day was filled with play, play, like Mr. Rogers always, I always love Mr. Rogers quote, play is the work of childhood. And so I really understood play was part of their education and learning to get along and learning to share and learning to pick up toys and all that. So I was glad that I could get that quote unquote seat work, if you will. And it was very um, fundamental work, but it wasn't fluff. It was, I read this book early on called The Three R's by Ruth Beechick, and it really stuck with me. She's like, if you could just be consistent every single day with these three basic things, you will see your child soar in their learning. And it was reading, writing, and arithmetic, mm-hmm. the three R's. And so that was what we focused on every morning. And I really felt like it did pay off. Okay, so we've got four kiddos. So tell us how you kind of handled as as your family continued to grow with the boys. What did that start to look like as Caleb got older? You've got Wesley starting to read. What did that look like as you added to your family? Well, I mean, I definitely learned about time management. Like, you know, I learned how to focus, you know, maybe eight to 10, you know, was our learning time is what I would call it. So it was a focus time where everybody was like this, we eat breakfast, we do our little chores, and we focus on learning. And so I was very structured in that way. And then after that, they could just play, you know, and do whatever. And then if we went out, we would go out or if we go to the park, or we joined a co-op. Well, we had four little boys when we joined co-op, I don't remember. So that was like one day a week where we go out, 
out and they get to do other classes with other kids. And I'd get, I guess, a little bit of a break. I don't know, because it's pretty busy when you're doing that. But, you know, so we did a co-op is what we did. And then just each one of them, you know, we just kind of graduated each one of them into the fold of learning to read and write and do the math and all that. And do co-op classes for the art and the science and the extra things that was overwhelming to me with a mom of four young, small little boys. We just kind of continued that. And then when Caleb was nine, we joined a co-op where they did like, it was more mainstream, if you will, it's called classical conversations. And that kind of filled that gap at the time because it really helped me kind of get them in more of a rhythm and a little bit more of an academic push, even though I'm not super uh, staunch on it. I, but it was good to get some stru- more structure, um, some writing help and things like that. And then I gained more confidence in my writing teaching abilities. And so then we kind of spun off and did our own co-op for a couple of years where I taught the English and the writing. So, you know, we kind of have gone through different phases of homeschooling, I guess I'd say. I have a question on the co-op. You said you were teaching the English. Were you swapping with other families? Like you were doing one subject and another family was doing another subject. Is that how you did that? Yeah, actually we did. We've joined probably four different co-ops over the years and they all looked a little different. So like a classical conversations co-op is one where you pay a good amount of money for kids to be in these specific classes with a specific curriculum, right? We did that for a few years. And then prior to that one, we did more of a low key enrichment type co-op where moms volunteer to teach different classes. And it was a bigger one, mind you, the first one we went to. I mean, it probably had, I'm just going to kind of guess, maybe 15 families. So that's kind of bigger. But then when we left Classical Conversations, it was more of a small, like four family co-op. And we did, we all swapped and did different areas that we were maybe more inclined toward or passionate about. And we led those kind of like one led an art class and one led a Bible and history class. And I led the writing and grammar. And we did that for a couple of years. That's awesome. So as you, as Caleb got older, obviously you grew with him in doing different styles, this co-op being one of them. How were you managing all the others and bringing in new babies? <laughs> yes, it was a juggling act. I guess Sometimes I'm like, I don't really know <laughs> other than just, I think I learned, you know, like anything, I learned to not be a perfectionist and learn to just always be moving the needle forward, always be making sure that we're learning something new, always doing something new, always doing the basics consistently, like the math and the reading and the writing. Those are the things that can catapult them into more independent learning anyway. I, you know, I just juggled. I don't, couldn't even tell you. <laughs> Honestly, it's okay if you just say, by the grace of God. Right. I mean, and all that is a good, valid answer. <laughs> yeah, by the grace of God. I mean, I will say that one point after our fifth, I had, a, a, we had another little boy and I lost him at 19 weeks pregnant. And so I went through a great, my mom passed away that year too. And I will just say to some degree, I learned that year, like God legitimately fills in the gaps because I was in the pits of grief for a good six months. And I wonder like, wait, how did we do that? Like, how did, but everything's okay. Like they manage, like we manage, you know, but that's the thing is as you grow in homeschooling, you start to really recognize this is just our lifestyle. This isn't this regimented thing that we have to do to fill in boxes. Like this is our lifestyle. So if I had six months where maybe we weren't doing as much, or maybe it didn't seem like it was as consistent as I would have liked, they were still doing the things. And we were, 
I would say to some degree, we were a little in, in a good rhythm by that point. They did their things that they knew they needed to do. And the little, littlest ones weren't really school age yet, per se. So, you know, we got by and <laughs> all that good stuff by the grace of God. <laughs> yeah. So did you, as Caleb and Wesley, really your own family pioneers of the homeschool family, right? Were are they ever at a point where they started to help the littles? Like, very much. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I would see, we use a, we've always used this one math curriculum called math UC. And so the uh, older boys knew so well how to do it. I would catch them showing the younger ones how to do their blocks and how to figure it out. And like Wesley, my second born is very much just an, an, a natural teacher. And so he would always help me teach like Seth right below him or Eli below him. Caleb is very much more of the nurturing one of the family, the oldest. And so he would be more helping me like do housework or do dishes. So it really was pretty neat watching my boys like help me carry the load. And they're really, it makes me almost choke up when I talk about it, to be honest, because they really are, were very precious to me, those oldest boys, for sure. The oldest three really did so much. That's such a place in the family because they had to. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There's really no choice, you know? So real quick, what is the age difference between Caleb and your youngest? So Caleb was born in 2000. And then our youngest was born in 2015. So so 22 to 15. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. You are well past elementary years. You've got high school and college kids. (laughs) As you were talking, I'm like, I was feeling like you were still had littles because I'm sure that's probably what it seemed like a very long season (laughs) of having littles. But tell us now what it's like with the kids being older. I'm sure there's a lot more self-sufficiency in their education. Basically, we have five that are completely like um, ages 15 to 21. And then we have two littles is what we call them. So our littles. So we had the little boy that we lost. And then we had, so there was a little bit of a gap. But it's basically between our fifth and our sixth son, there's a gap because of that. Okay. And so our sixth son is nine and our seventh son is six now. Okay. So we call them the littles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the older ones, I mean, yeah, they're very independent. Like we we do, once they get into high school, like somewhere around seventh, eighth grade, we put them in a class. And this kind of brings into the male influence thing I wanted to share. Oh, yes. Yeah. So here where we live, there happens to be a course for homeschoolers called Worldviews of the Western World. And it's a Christian homeschooling curriculum and a male teacher, which is a homeschool dad, basically, and his wife, who their children have all graduated, they're adults, they took up this torch, and they homeschool this particular curriculum one day a week. And so I take them there, and they take this class with other kids, and then they're home the rest of the week doing the work. So once they get into like seventh, eighth grade, I put them in that class, if you will, for the rest of high school, honestly. And so they have their syllabus, they have it all prepared. And then I make sure they do math and science and foreign language on the side, if you will. And they just they just know what they're supposed to do. I mean, obviously, I have to oversee it and all that, but I don't have to do anything. I'm not standing there doing anything. Now, my husband, if they do get stuck, math is probably the only thing, right? That like, obviously, if you have a kid that struggles, like they're going to need help, right? So thank the Lord, my husband has a math degree. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, I don't even know how I made it in nursing school, but I did. <laughs> I did 
did all that I needed to do for nursing school for math, algebra and statistics. And then I was like, okay, but I could never teach it. You know, I just did what I could do to get a good grade. So my husband fills in those gaps. But yeah, they're independent, totally independent. And we do have two in college. So we have one is about to finish his bachelor's and get his master's in family marriage counseling. And our other one is doing a course. It's like a, a cybersecurity trade. Degree. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I mean, like a technology trade degree. Like that's very much needed. Yeah, valuable for sure. It's like a two-year certification out of a college out by where we live. So they've both chosen different, very different things. And that's totally fine, you know, because that's the way they're both bent. Yeah. So obviously they're very independent. (laughs) Thank the Lord. (laughs) I have a question about that then. So with having kids in college now, can you see advantages that homeschooling gave them over having public school education? You know what? What I can do is I can tell you what they've told me. Yeah. Yes. The best feedback ever. So my oldest, Caleb, he's at Dallas Baptist University. And I'm super proud of him because he's had to work. He cleans pools. So he's had to work at he goes to school full time and works to help pay toward his college. And he's always on the dean's list, like every single semester. And he told me, I feel like home, my advantage from homeschooling was I always, first of all, I love to learn. Like, because of the way you homeschooled us, you never really like burned us out on learning. Like, we didn't feel like we sat at a desk for six hours a day. So, I've always enjoyed learning. So, like, learning isn't a chore to me, studying isn't a chore. So, he's told me that. And then he said, I've always, because I always had to time manage mom, because you just let me be independent and figure out my stuff. Like I know how to time manage, like I turn stuff in. I know when I need to study. I know how to, like, I don't cram everything in at the last minute. So he's told me that. And then Wesley, my second born, who's a totally, mind you, they're totally different. So this is why I go, don't assume just because you homeschool, every kid's going to look just like this because they have different personalities and different strengths and weaknesses. Caleb, our oldest, is more of your typical firstborn, focuses, studies, academic focus, all those things. But then Wesley is highly intelligent and can figure anything out. If we need anything done around the house, he can figure out how to fix the plumbing or fix the electrical. He can hang lights for me. (laughs) He does all kinds of stuff. But he's more of an outside the box learner. And he probably struggles more with time management, even though he knows how to do it. He tends to be a little bit more of a procrastinator. So that's his personality. But he's doing fine in college and learning on his own. You know, I I know most people do this, but you know, we don't have a um, being homeschooled. We don't have a college high school advisor that can tell our kids, this is what you do when you apply for college. This is what you do you know what I mean? Like I don't have that kind of guidance here. My kids have honestly basically had to do everything on their own. Like I've just been like, if you need help, let me know. So both of them have just gone to whatever college and told the people, I'm homeschool, what do I need? And so they've taken care of all their own college stuff. So I've noticed that like they do not depend on their parents to get them enrolled in college and get them to figure out all their housing issues and all their payment issues. They do all that on their own. So Wesley, though, my second born, one one of the things I love about him though, is while he's in college and he works too, he loves music. And so he's always making music and creating music. And he loves to do computer programming and coding. And that's what he always did when he was a kid. You know, I would just give him, he'd be like, I just want to read books on coding mom. And so when he was, you know, 11, I would just give him a book on coding and he would just learn Oracle, learn 
SQL, learn whatever, all those things, you know, I don't even know what they're all called, but he would just learn how to do it. And so that's caused him to be like, okay, like this is a really great course I'm taking or a certification. He was like, but I know so much of this stuff already. (laughs) So when he started, so it's kind of funny, they're just so different, but it's like, it's interesting because you realize like he's learned so much just on his own. So he was really well prepared for his degree he's getting because he learned so much just on his own. So, well, and what's incredible too is that listening to how you have set your kids up where for them to take one class, go to a physical class a week and then have the rest of the week to do the work. I mean, that's what you do in college. Mm -hmm. They're learning studying skills. They're learning. I mean, most kids get out of high school and don't know how to study for college. Like they don't know what that looks like. And your kids have been doing it since the seventh and eighth grade. And you know, yeah. Even earlier, right? Like yeah. early on, you said that if once they start to read, they can teach themselves. Like that's, that's what's incredible on that advantage that I think so much of us miss out on when, when we think about homeschooling. So, yeah. And I think too, it's just, it's more innate. It just comes with the territory. Whereas if you, I guess if you were in traditional school, you know, kids are taking like how to study classes and like how to study, you know, how to take notes, you know, how to whatever. Whereas I think they just learned it so early. It just was part of their, their life. So they don't know any different, you know? So. Well, and I wanted to pose another question too, just thinking about how one homeschooling has changed so much over the years, especially since the eighties. I mean, it, it became something that once I went to college, you know, there was way more people that had been homeschooled than had been obviously in years past. And now our kids are going to experience that even more as they, you know, grow, meet people in high school and college that have been in homeschooling or stayed in homeschooling. So with the pandemic, obviously there's been a lot more that have come out and decided that, Hey, this works with our schedule. Now we do love this freedom. We do love this more, you know, quality one-on-one time, giving our kids the values that they need at home. So obviously it's changed for a lot of families in the last few years. Do you feel like it's changed at all for you? Or did you feel like, well, pandemic hit and you were just kept on trucking along. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, for us personally, it didn't change a single thing. Honestly, it didn't. Yeah, it was. was, I mean, nothing changed other than I mean, the kids, they had to like because we couldn't do co-op for a bit or they couldn't go to class for a bit. You know, they did a lot of they learned how to do Zoom a little bit more, I guess. My second born Wesley, um, as soon as he had enrolled in his college courses for the first time, he was so looking forward to finally getting to quote, go to college and not, you know, cause he had been homeschooled. And then that was the year that the pandemic completely locked down. And so yet he's yet to be able to go to a class. And that has actually, he's like, I feel like that is a little bit of a disadvantage for me because I needed to be able, I haven't been able to meet a single person since I've been to college, <laughs> you know, yeah, so that was, that's, that's been kind of a bummer. But whereas Caleb and his university, they still go to class and do all that. So anyway, that's been interesting. But as far as my other kids, I mean, they learn how to use Zoom a little bit more, but other than that, it's the very same. We didn't change anything. So Now, a lot of families, like we said, that are coming into the homeschool world from years in public school or even like deciding, hey, you know what? I can just take out one, you know, one kid and homeschool them for a year and give them that advantage, that one-on-one time, and then they can go back into the public school. Like, 
as far as like for families that are breaking into this homeschool world, whether it's for a year or it's just for a season or, you know, or like, hey, you know what? After this, like Tracy said, we like our schedule. We like the freedom and flexibility of being home and having these kids do the work in a couple of hours and then having the rest of the day. What is something to encourage those parents that are starting to not tackle, but take on homeschooling in this new direction? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, it kind of depends on their purpose. Like if they legitimately want to only homeschool for a year and put them back in school, I would say that will look different. Honestly, that will look different. I mean, I think you're going to enjoy the time with your child and the slower pace, but because you're going to put them right back in school, you need to probably get advice from someone that has done that. Because I know some schools, especially like in high school, you have to take a test to get back in and make sure that you qualify to move back up a grade and all that kind of stuff. So that will look different than what we do. And honestly, when parents ask me those questions and I know they're going to put their child back in school, I usually point them to someone that has done it, you know, because I haven't done that. Right. But as far as if someone's like, hey, I'm loving homeschool, I want to kind of now that I've seen the quote other side, you know, what should I do? I would say leave the school classroom behind and just know that this is your new lifestyle and it doesn't have to look at all like the classroom setting. And like, do not try to imitate the classroom setting, you know, explore the the first year I would tell them. And I've told, I have told parents this that have asked me in the past before the pandemic, when they've taken their kids out of school, like I've said, like, give yourself like a year or two of grace, like a grace couple years to just adjust to the new lifestyle and help your children enjoy it. You know, like don't just, as soon as they come home sit them in front of a computer curriculum for four, five, six hours a day. And that's all they do, like really enrich their life in a new way so that they'll love it, you know. So that's something that I would say. And just realize you can get a lot more done at home in a less amount of time than you would ever do at regular school. So don't even expect yourself to sit there for six, eight hours a day. Don't do that. (laughs) Nobody wants to do that. I think that's awesome advice. And, you know, I think I slowly learned that I homeschooled my daughter for kindergarten during the real 2020 to 2021. Yeah. Um, And that was the one thing that, yes, it was like an hour and a half is all it was. And we got it all done and we were able to do the little mini field trips and go to the library and do things together and use that time to, like you said, enrich her knowledge and her creativity and playing outside and loving of nature and working through so many other things, you know, the time allowed for. So that definitely like letting go of the standard is probably the greatest piece of advice. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Now I want to flip topics from as a boy mom. Okay. And I'm asking you this one, because I know you and I, I know your heart and you are raising seven strong, independent, men for this world. And Lord knows we need them. (laughs) I would love to know because growing up, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties, but growing up, boys were boys, right? Like rough, tumble. And, you know, they were encouraged to be the masculine side of things. I feel like now, and and I said this to you in our message and and I've said this before, and I'll say it is that if you are a straight white male, you are the enemy. Like culture really takes that on. And as a mom of two girls, that 
I'm trying to teach them like, your daddy is not the bad guy. Like you're, you know, where so much of society wants to tell them that he is the bad guy just because of the color of his skin. And that, you know, because we are a traditional family and we look like a traditional family. How do you tackle that with what culture is telling men and boys today of what to do? I mean, is that something that you look at and go, you know, because I bet it is so different. I mean, you have got your littles and then you've got Caleb out in college. I mean, it's it's different than than when Caleb was your little. Yeah, that's very true. It's changed even between our third son and our fourth and fifth son are. I can see a difference. You know, a couple of things that came to mind when you asked me this question, I thought about, I thought, well, you know, one of the benefits of homeschooling all this time is we have definitely been able to teach our sons to think critically, to think outside the box, outside the conformed narrative. And maybe some of this is because I don't really know, I'm not going to say this is exactly the reason, but you know, because they've never gone to school all their lives where they're like, well, the teacher knows best. And what the principal says is this. And, They've always known like that to hear our voice over other adults, you know, like, and obviously you can, even when your children are in a school setting, you can still make a point to teach that, right? I'm not saying you can't, but there is a tendency to just let the school do all the work in that regard. And at some point, some kids are going to think, well, hey, but my teacher says it's okay to not identify with a gender and to call me, you know, he, she, they, or whatever, you know, like that's the norm that they're maybe hearing in school right now, you know, for sure. And so, whereas we've always been able to teach our kids, like question the narrative, do not accept what the people are telling you. If the government's giving you something for free, there's a, there's a reason why, like we've taught them kind of to be skeptical and be critical of what's going on. So my hope is that with those tools, we've already given them as the, the darts continue to come against them heavier and heavier right now, especially they're going to be able to identify what's a lie, you know? And so there's that, but then also just seeing, um, I mean, the advantage of having a married parents, obviously we have more of the traditional roles that they see it, you know, they see it, although we, you know, they also see us as a team. I think showing your sons, like you are a team when you're married, but there is something to the husband being the head of his whole household, because that's a reflection of Christ um, in the body. Then also a wife willingly submitting to her husband's authority within the the realm of being a team too. You know, the, I, I feel like they've seen a healthy example there. I would agree. Knowing you and your husband, I think I've only gotten the pleasure to meet your husband like once, but you guys are such a unit. Like you guys have fun together, but like you guys are a solid team. It's not even from an outsider's point looking in, like that is something that I definitely admire from, you know, from a marriage standpoint. Like I I definitely want our kids to see that, yeah, it's not, daddy's not in charge because daddy's just in charge. No. I mean, it's a team. And then, you know, like you said, it's a biblical viewpoint of marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, and they see their dad taking care of me and putting me first and serving me like they see all of that. And that it, I guess that would be an advantage of 
being home so much. <laughs> and with the pandemic, my husband was home a lot too, working from home. And that's been another area that I, it was a blessing. But um, another thing that we've been very intentional with is, and I mean, I think we could always be more intentional too, is when they were, you know, younger, entering high school, we prayed, we prayed for a situation where they could learn in home in the homeschool realm from another man. We actually prayed for that because that's one of the things you'll find when you are homeschooling, especially in co-ops is like everybody's a mom, you know, and when you're raising all boys, I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. This may go against the grain a little bit, but sometimes moms, um, depending on the mom, um, especially if you're talking about moms that aren't raising boys, they can't, and I know you raise a girl, so I know you understand. You can kind of have a skewed perspective of what behavior is acceptable sometimes. And so boys need men in their life too, pouring into them. So there was a point, you know, when Caleb, I guess he was in seventh grade and I was like, I need to have a situation where my boys are influenced by a man for a few years outside of my husband, obviously. And so that's when we had prayed for an answer. And that's when this homeschool class came up and it was led by a man. And then every time our kids get about 14, 15, we have prayed for a job opportunity for We feel like working is very important. Like work ethic is up there. That's another thing that my oldest and my second born told me when they're in college, you taught us to have a strong work ethic. And that is actually what's taken us. Like if all you could have taught us was a strong work ethic and biblical character, like those two things will take a kid as far as they want to go in life. Amen. That's great. Yeah. I've seen that. So work ethic is huge. So one of the things we've done is just pray for job opportunities where they can work under men, like older men, learning skills. And would you believe every single time we've prayed that a job is opened up for one of our kids? It's crazy. So crazy. So they've all had the opportunity to work for like small businesses, with a man learning some kind of unique skill that's carried them on to their next job. And so right now, even our 14 and our our 15 and our six year old even have a job one day a week, they work for a man that does construction and they go help him, you know, from 7am to 7pm all day long. And they couldn't do that if they weren't homeschooled. So that's amazing. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for this time for being authentic and transparent on your journey and and being the mom of seven boys and what has looked like for you and really I mean I my girls go to a Christian school please for the I really don't want God to make me homeschool my children I have a <laughs> funny story okay I swear I have worked on this for years. We, okay. My, I get metaphors mixed up all the time. And so when we ha- first had um, our oldest, like Andrew was at the point, he's like, you know, you're never going to have to homeschool. So you can stop pretending like this is how you actually are. <laughs> and, like, and I mean, I'm like, no, 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 I can't let the ruse go yet. I need to make sure that they're all the way through high school. So he doesn't all of a sudden think, no, they really do need to be homeschooled. I, so that's Andrew and I joking. And he's like, wait, hold on. But you are, you're just so encouraging for for all moms, no matter where their kids are at. And you have given some great suggestions and recommendations and things just 
practical things that we can look into. And so I just want to thank you for that, Andrea, and for for spending this time with us. I so appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed getting to share a little bit and hopefully it does encourage other moms, whatever stage and choices they're making, you know, that that is my hope. Yeah. And I also just want to say thank you. I love just the calm, the happy, the joy, the peace. Like I can sense it all as you talk about the journey. And I know, I know it's also involved with chaos and broken things. And (laughs) you have seven boys. So I know the reality. I have two boys and two girls. So I know the reality of it. I do sense that just inner peace and happiness that you carry, um, that this was the path that, you know, God gave your family. Um, and I thank you for your just vulnerability to share and just the encouragement. Again, I think it's such a light for so many. And I know a lot of people are considering it and been in the midst of it. And I hopefully any listener that, you know, falls on this uh, podcast will actually take away something to heart from it. So we appreciate you. If any listener wants to follow your journey as this, is there a way that they could, you know, do you want to give your Instagram handle so they can follow along and just see you or if they have questions, they can reach out? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram. It's at seven boy crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Very fitting. Very fitting. Well, we're going to wrap this episode up and we just want to say thanks so much to the housewives. Thank you, Andrea, for being our guest this week. And um, remember housewives, be sure to follow our Instagram at unlikely housewives of Joko. You can also join our ever growing Facebook community at the Unlikely Housewives of Joko podcast. And be sure to rate, review, and we would love any feedback that you're getting from the episodes. And with that, Housewives, have a great week. Thank you. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow, but living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Find our link in the show notes. Be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, freely, and be intentional in your slippers or stilettos. Housewives, I want to share something with you that my family absolutely loves. You know, my whole family makes fun of me for following asleep to podcasts, true crime specifically. However, I have gotten my children into that wonderful habit as well. And something we used to do was leave an iPad or a screen in our girls' rooms, but we found the perfect solution not to have to do that. So I invited two guests because I wanted you to hear from them how awesome this is. So welcome, Emsley and Juliet. Hi. Hi. (laughs) We have the story button. Yes. Yes. What does the story button do for you, Emsley? It helps me go to sleep. I really can't go to sleep without it. But what is so great about the story button? That we don't have a screen in our room and it really helps me go to sleep and like there's so many stories and stuff like there's the science story there's adventure stories 
I like to listen to Lively Lewis Family. Yeah, that Lively one. Lively Lewis Story, which is really fun. And Juliet, I know that while Emsley will let it play all night, you will turn yours off really easily. Yeah, I kind of like to listen to a few stories and be like, oh, this is happening, and then it just helps me like Relax. calm down and just fall asleep. That's awesome. One of the biggest pet peeves when we were still having iPads in our room what would happen when the podcast came off? Do you remember you would start listening to Mommy's podcast because we were on oh, Spotify? Yeah. Since like in the stories, they go all the way down and they stop and then it connects to her thing. And then I hear like murder stuff and I get really scared and then I start having nightmares. Yeah. And so uh-huh. I have to get out of my bed and go all the way to the other side of my room, turn that off. And then start it from all the way to the beginning. Yeah, but I don't have to worry about that anymore with the story button because the story button, all the content's on there and it is all kid friendly. It is created by Mr. Jim and it has been such a game changer for our bedtime and nightly routine. So we have a special gift for our friends that decide that they want to try the story button. The link is going to be in the show notes, but if you use the promo code FRIENDS10, on the link that you've got there for us, then you will get 10% off your order. And it is absolutely amazing. And it has been a big changer for our family and our bedtime routine. Say bye, girls. Bye. Bye.